0: You're in for an absolute uh, treat today. We've got three great speakers lined up to, uh, to bring you the word this morning. The first of our speakers is a young man who is passionate about the word of God. He's one of our Connect Group leaders, does such a wonderful job of uh, encouraging the group and, uh, and, and leading the word of God. I know he's passionate about the word of God, but also uh, he's a man who is putting the word to work in his life. He doesn't talk about it or study it, but he actually puts it to work in his life as well. And I'm really excited to, uh, to hear him speak to us this morning. So, how about we encourage Paul as Paul comes and leaves us around the word this morning? Thanks, Paul.
1: Thank you, Pastor Gary. Well, good morning, everybody. I've been uh, following the Lord seriously for probably about 30 years now. And I would say, the number one desire in my heart has always been to see the body of Christ rise up to its full potential. And now that is my heart's desire for us here at Infuse. And to achieve this, it requires every believer living as an effective follower of Jesus. But have you ever wondered, what does it mean to live as an effective follower of Jesus. I believe we get an insight into this in one specific paragraph in the book of Philippians that was written by the Apostle Paul, where he talks about three specific attributes of a particular individual when commending him to the recipients of this letter. And these are three attributes which I believe if we take on board in the body of Christ in here at Infuse, that we can reach our full potential. So you ready to know what they are? Okay, thanks Haley. We're going to read Philippians chapter 2 from verse 25. But I think it necessary to send back to you a my brother, co-worker, and fellow worker, sorry, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give. So who was Epaphroditus? Apart from here, he's not mentioned anywhere else in the scripture. But from here we can see he was from Philippi and was a member of the church there. And he had been employed by his church to carry a gift to Paul in Rome to help meet his needs. And whilst in Rome, he became very ill. And news of this made its way back to Philippi, which made them distressed back there. That news got back to Epaphroditus, and he was distressed about them being distressed about him. And on his recovery, Paul thought it best that Epaphroditus should return at once to Philippi, and almost certainly carrying this letter. With him. And in those days, when someone of status was sending someone to be received favourably by someone else, they would often write a letter of commendation. And that's what we see here. We see Paul commending Epaphroditus for three specific attributes. And Paul calls him my brother, a co worker, and a fellow soldier. Note that Paul doesn't just call him a brother, but he calls him my brother. Neither does he not just call him a worker, but a co-worker. And finally, he doesn't just call him a soldier, but a fellow soldier. And note that these three attributes are all described in the context of Paul's relationship with him. And when Paul speaks of Epaphroditus being his brother, he's most likely referring to the fact that he took care of his needs. And note that for Paul to have his needs met, he must have made them known as well. And we can also get a further insight into Epaphroditus' nature in verse 26, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. He appears to be one who had a heart for people and for helping those who were in need. When Paul speaks of him being his co worker, he's perhaps referring to him being a messenger. Perhaps not a high profile job to do, but a very necessary one in this situation. And it also begs the question what if he refused to go and there was no one else to go? What impact could have that had on Paul and his ministry? Additionally, by calling him his co-worker, most likely he was referring to the fact that we all have a role to carry out God's purposes on earth. You see, back then, Paul would have had a high status in the body of Christ. But in this letter, he was elevating Epaphroditus to the same level as him calling him a co-worker rather than saying that his work was more important than anyone else's. And it reminds me of the scripture Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.16. From him, that is Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And finally, when Paul speaks of him as a soldier, perhaps he was thinking of the hardship that he must have endured, having almost died for the work of Christ and for risking his life. For in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, Paul equates suffering with being a soldier of Jesus. As he writes there, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The truth of the matter is that sometimes we suffer for following Jesus. Not a message we like to hear, but it's in the Bible. Two important points here, though. Firstly, Paul calls him his fellow soldier. Hence, when Epaphroditus almost died, no doubt Paul was praying for him and encouraging him, as well as being able to relate to his suffering given all the suffering that we know he went through. And this would have been some comfort to Epaphroditus. And in a battle, don't true soldiers help each other out rather than looking after each other, despite what's going on around them? And secondly, when we do suffer for Jesus, isn't the Holy Spirit right there to comfort us, strengthen us, and encourage us? So, what does this scripture mean for us today? This scripture demonstrates to us the commendable traits of living as an effective follower of Jesus. We are to live in the knowledge that other believers are a brother or sister to me. And not only that, but they are my brother. They are my sister. And as such, when they need help, I should be there to help them. We are to live in the knowledge that we are all working together to build up the body of Christ as we do the work that's assigned to each of us. No one person or one's assigned work is more important than anyone else's. It's all important. There's no unemployment in the kingdom of God. Everyone has a role. You are all wanted and needed. And finally, we are to live in the knowledge that at times there will be suffering for following Jesus. But if we do not suffer alone, but we do not need to suffer alone, we are to encourage and support one another by sharing in each other's suffering. Pursuing these traits will come at a cost to us, but there is also a cost if we don't pursue them. If we choose not to be a brother or sister to someone, we deny them the help that perhaps we can only give that God has ordained for us to give to them. Conversely, if we don't develop relationships with others and express our needs when they arise, we can deny ourselves of the opportunity of having our needs met by others. If we choose not to co-labor together with the work that God would have us do, that part of the body of Christ that we belong to cannot grow and build itself up to its full potential. And we can also be left feeling unfulfilled if we're not doing the works that God's created us to do. And finally, if we choose not to serve as a soldier of Jesus, enduring suffering for his sake when the rises, we can allow difficult circumstances to defeat us. And we become unable, or perhaps unwilling, to support and comfort those who are needing our support as they stand as a soldier for Jesus. Pursuing these traits can be difficult at times, and it can be easier for some than for others. It requires us to deal with our fears and our pride. It compels us to understand our giftings and strengths and to acknowledge our weaknesses and needs. It forces us to grow closer to Jesus, but it's a life worth pursuing. Amen. Amen.
0: I'm just going to ask Paul to just pray for the uh, subject of his his message for us all, how we're to be joined together and to encourage us in in that as well this is completely off the cuff so this is a good test for him
1: <laughs> father we thank you for your truth that we've heard this morning and i just pray that for every person here in this auditorium that they will find their place in the body of christ they will find out what they're made for i pray that they will build strong relationships with one another and i pray that you would help them to stand strong for you when the when the difficulties arise i pray and we pray for your holy spirit to unite us all together yeah. in perfect unity that we may reach our full potential individually and corporately here as infused church that we may carry out your purposes here on earth and see your name glorified amen, amen. thanks paul let's give paul another hand <clears throat>
0: Our next uh, speaker this morning is a, uh, a young lady as well who has an absolute passion for God. She um, wants to be at the cutting edge of what God's doing. She's not afraid to to uh, face challenges, and I've got to tell you that Joe has faced some incredible challenges in her life, and she's walked out an incredible uh, life story to this point. But I tell you what, it's nothing compared to what God's going to do and use her for in the in the days and seasons ahead. So let's welcome Joe as Joe comes in. Brings a word this morning.
2: Good morning, church. How are we? righty. So, what is the greatest commandment? In Mark twelve twenty-eight, a scribe asked Jesus the same question. But what was Jesus' answer? What was his, what was the answer? What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and strength. But there's a bit that we often skip. That That's the second part. There's a bit before that that we're going to. Jesus replied, this is the most important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Then he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. See, Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 5, where Moses gave God's law to the people. Now, the first part of the scripture, Hear, O Israel, is also a part of the commandment, just as much as you shall love the Lord your God. In fact, the words in the original Hebrew have become the most famous Jewish prayer. Orthodox Jews pray it in the morning of, and in the evening of every single day. It is the first prayer that young Jewish children learn, and it is the last prayer the elderly pray on their deathbed. It goes like this. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kavod, Melkuto Leolam Vayed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. So, the prayer itself is called the Shema, which comes from the first word, Shema Israel, hear O Israel. So, it means hear, but it doesn't just mean hear. It means to listen intently. It means to listen and to obey. So, what is the greatest commandment? Hear and obey, O Israel. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, the word Shema also comes from the same root word when Solomon asked God for wisdom. So, when, he, when Solomon asked God for wisdom, another way it could be translated was he asked for a listening heart. He asked God for wisdom and he asked God that he might hear and he might obey. That's pretty cool. So, how do we hear from God? Well, number one, his word, of course. But he also speaks to our heart and mind In our thoughts. He gives us dreams at night and those little random thoughts during the day. We can hear him in those quiet moments, but we can also hear him while we're peeling the potatoes or madly getting ready for work or getting the kids ready for school. If only we will take a moment to listen. So hearing and obeying, they go hand in hand, Right? Now, how many of the parents here have told their kids to do something and the kids have replied, yes, mom, but they haven't actually, they don't actually go and do what you said? Anyone had that? Yeah, I mean, I've got someone up there. I I know I was guilty of it myself as a kid. Come on. See, there's no point listening to an instruction. There is no point asking God to speak. If we aren't going to O-B-E-Y, uh, obey. Ouch. Now, just before anyone starts to feel guilty, let me tell you that I have been in the middle of a church conference arguing with God for five whole minutes about praying for another Christian. Not even joking. And you think, why, why, Something easy to do. Come on, why why was I arguing? Why didn't I obey? Anyway, eventually I did go over and pray for this person. But I can't really say that I obeyed. And why is that? Well, is obedience delayed really obedience? So I'm a karate teacher. And when I give a command, you have a split second to obey. ...and obey with a loud, clear and enthusiastic, hey, which means yes. Now, if my students don't do this with all of the criteria, make them stop, go back and do it again. Sensei Darren, he makes us do push-ups if we don't respond quickly enough. So, why make the kids do it again? Why the push-ups? Because we are training to obey on command... We train to respond without thinking. Now, if I had taken those five whole minutes to obey my sensei, like I did that time with God, my sensei would have... You know what? I don't actually know what my sensei would have done because that just wouldn't happen. In fact, I'm so trained for this immediate response in my karate that when I'm in the zone, I do it without thinking. One time I had arrived late to a special class because I was teaching somewhere else. So, I was wearing my uniform, but I wasn't actually training. I was just watching. So, I was sitting on the ground just near the students. They were sitting there. I was sitting here. And it was at the end of the class, and Sensei goes, everybody up. And so, I was on my feet, standing to attention with a loud, height, before I realised that, wait a minute, I'm not actually in this class. Did anyone just see what I did then? Oh well. It was quite funny. Um, this and again, this heart response is so ingrained in me that I have to stop from using it elsewhere. It hasn't slipped out at church yet. <laughs> but when the preacher asks, Amen, hate is always on the tip of my tongue. So I was looking at, you know, how I respond with karate and how I didn't respond to God. And I was really troubled about this. I'm like, God, why did it take me so long to go and pray for another Christian that I knew in a church service? And he said, the more you spend time with me, the quicker you will obey. So what is the greatest command? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, listen and obey You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and all your strength. The scripture in Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 goes on to say, These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. They are to be that immediate response. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them, the symbols on your hands and on your Find them on your foreheads, write them on the doorframes of your houses, and on your gates. In other words, God's commands, His word, should be so much a part of us, so second nature, or first nature rather, that our immediate response is, "Hey, yes," and we obey without even thinking. Now, I'll admit it's not always that simple or easy. But just like in my karate training and just like God said to me, the more time you spend practicing, the more time you spend with him, the quicker you will obey. Maybe you struggle to hear from God, let alone obey him. But let me encourage you that you can hear him better than you think. And the more you read his word, the easier it will become. The more you listen out for his whisper to your heart, the easier it will be to hear. So if your husband or your wife or your best friend came up behind you and whispered in your ear, you would know their voice, right? You would know who it was. Why? Because you've spent time with them, because you have a relationship with them. It's the same with God. Your brain and your heart says, I know the sound of that voice. Let me finish with a story. After the end of World War II... Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer Silver went throughout Europe in search of Jewish children who had been smuggled out the ghetto and were living now in orphanages. He was to bring them to live with Jewish families so they would not lose their culture or heritage. It was a seemingly impossible task because most of these children were infants when they were smuggled out. They had no memories of who they were. But the rabbi got the priest caring for the children to gather them all together. And as the children stood before him, the rabbi covered his eyes and he began to pray and sing the words of that ancient prayer. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim And as he began to sing, the Jewish children began to weep and cry out for their mothers. Because buried deep in their hearts was the memory of their mothers singing th- them every single night before they went to bed they knew and you will know his voice too the more you spend time with God the more you will hear his voice the more you spend time with God the more you will obey hear O Israel the Lord your God the Lord is one love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind, and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The Lord God, the King of the universe, is speaking to you. He sings over you. Listen with an open heart. Shema, hear and obey. Thank you, Father, that you were speaking to us always, Lord. And Lord, I pray that everyone here would know that they can hear from you, Lord. That when they hear your voice, they would know it so clearly that their hearts would leap for joy when they hear you, Lord. And they won't be able to help but obey because of your love in them, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can hear you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can obey. Amen.
0: Excellent. Good encouragement for Joe there. Well done. Who's going to go and practice their high. Our next uh, speaker is um, again a young lady who is passionate about God, um, has a heart for young people and has positioned herself in a, uh, a role that helps to get the message of the gospel out into the lives of young people. But more than that, she is a person again who walks out what it's like to be a Christian who believes uh, Jesus and the Word of God so much and uh, is committed to living out uh, what the, the Bible teaches us to do. And I have no doubt that this morning you'll be uh, impacted by not just what she says, but the heart that she conveys it with as well. So how about we uh, welcome Candy as Candy comes and leads us around the message this morning. Well done, Candy.
3: Thanks, Pastor Gary. I wonder if you can be, you can identify with any of those labels Maybe you've been labelled in your life by a past mistake, um, by someone who you thought should love you, or even by yourself. Uh, Sometimes, the the labels that we carry in our life—they're like a brand on us. We—they're like they're branded on us. You know, when a, a cow gets branded, it hurts. They they cry out, but that brand lasts for a long time. Um, I certainly have let the labels define who I think I am. I've let them tell me who I am or what I am. And I've certainly grabbed hold of those labels and stuck them on myself because that's all I've thought that I've deserved or I've I've limited myself to be that. Um, And it's taken a long time, and it's always an ongoing journey, but it's taken a long time to start peeling those labels off. And that's maybe because it's easier to sit in what you know, um, and it's always easier not to confront the pain or the insecurities that we all carry the world labels us in all kinds of ways through our enemy and he will try to convince us that these labels are the truth of who we are john 8:44 says you belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out all your father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning not holding on to the truth for there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks with his native language For he is a liar and the father of lies. So those labels that we all saw are lies. But there is a light that our heavenly father shines on all the lies. And that light is Jesus. Jesus is how God labels us when we choose to believe. His beautiful name is a label that I'm humbled to wear. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ephesians 1.4-6 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. When Jesus died in our place, all those negative labels and lies were replaced with the truth, the label of Jesus. When we accept Jesus at our, as our Lord and Saviour, then when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see all the other. We are seen as blameless, holy and righteous. That, however, doesn't mean we can just go and blatantly sin. That's a whole other message. Um, But that's how God sees us. The beautiful name of Jesus is ours to live out of. So why don't we always do it? We so easily limit ourselves by believing the lies of the world. They cripple us and prevent us from walking in our God-given calling. And that takes time. (laughs) That takes time for God to work in us and heal us. But we need to let go of that default mindset that we go to straight away. That I am this, I am that. Or people see me as this or see me as that. Let's be brave enough to challenge the father of lies and look to Jesus as our identifier. To know that Jesus is the source of truth. He is the truth and the way to an abundant life. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So today let's throw those limiting label lies away and put on the kingdom identity that Jesus died to give us. So today I declare the truth in Jesus' name. I declare that you are worthy. And I declare that you are complete. I declare that you are justified. I declare that you are free. I declare that you're courageous, and I declare that you are loved. I declare that you are also victorious and strong. And I declare that you are significant and secure and accepted. And I declare that you are beautiful. I wonder today if you're hanging on to some labels that you've maybe pushed aside, but every now and then they rear their ugly head. I know it still happens for me. Um, My husband tells me off a lot for going back to that old default mindset. Um, But yeah, I just wonder today if you're ready to put those labels down on the altar and to Lay them before Jesus' feet and to let him take that old label away, which is already done, but sometimes we need to hand them over and let go of the grasp. And I wonder if we're then ready to take on his full label and all that he says about us. So if we can just um, close our eyes... if there's anyone that um, has something that they're hanging on to, a mindset that they're hanging on to, that you just don't want it anymore. Like why, why hang on to that old limiting, crippling thing when there's something that you can grasp onto that is freeing and liberating and empowering. So I just, if you've got something in your mind that that you want to just surrender to Jesus, I'll give you a moment to to prayerfully do that to yourself. I pray, Lord Jesus, that each and every person that is carrying anything that is not of you, that is not your truth, Lord, that they can surrender it to you, they can finally let go, release the grip And lay it at your feet, Lord. And that you, Lord Jesus, will take it and not give it back. But that you will give your full identity over each person. Penetrate their heart so deeply, Lord. That they know because they know because they know that they belong to you. And if there's anyone here today that hasn't... Um, accepted the label of Jesus in your life. Now's a perfect opportunity to do that. If there's anyone that feels that they want to do that this morning, everyone's got their eyes closed. No one's going to see except me. If you wanted to raise your hand, um, myself or Pastor Gary will be really pleased to come and speak to you afterwards. wearing the label of jesus is the best thing you can do it's not easy it's actually a really courageous thing to do but once you do it the liberation the free the freedom the joy The potential that you walk into is just like you'll never know. So, if anyone wants to do that today, just raise your hand now. Thank you, Lord. Anyone online watching? If you're watching online and you'd like to do this, please just comment. Get in touch with you. Leave a contact and we'll get in touch with you. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, we just thank you that you sacrificed Jesus for us so that we could wear him. So that when you look at us, Lord, you see the faultless, blameless, pure, righteous, Jesus when you look at us I just find that so hard to fathom Lord but I just thank you Lord that you've done that for us, for someone like me who does not deserve it I just pray today Lord that we can go away remembering um, that you label us in the most beautiful way and that we can let go of all that other junk I just thank you, Lord God, that you love us and for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Can we give Handy, Candy a uh, great hand, encouragement for her message today? I love it how God does stuff. And this morning... I'm not sure if you saw the thread that started to get weaved by the Holy Spirit through those messages. But the first one was about the body of Christ, how we need each other. We need to encourage one another that we're in this together and that as a result of that, we can hear and obey what God wants us to do because we're in a family. We're in something that He's constructing out of our lives and we can hear and obey because there's some stuff that we need to let go of. And that's those labels over our lives that we've picked up throughout uh, our lives and, uh, and let them go. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of, of Paul, of Joe and of Candy. Can we give them another hand of encouragement this morning?